From Press Communications, LLC, this is Jersey Shore Matters with Diane de Oliveira. Jellyfish are taking over our waterways, but Save Barnegat Bay is taking action to try to curb the population with help from the community. Joining me today is Brittany McLaughlin, Jellyfish Education Coordinator for Save Barnegat Bay. Welcome to the show, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sea nettles uh, had been coming increasingly worse for years, and then clinging jellies stole the spotlight and also have been multiplying. So just how bad has the jellyfish problem become? Yeah, so we are definitely seeing an increase in population with both of those uh, types of jellyfish. Actually, uh, we learned about a couple years ago that the sea nettle that we were seeing in our uh, Barnegat Bay and in our lagoon communities along Barnegat Bay are actually genetically different species. So they are bay nettles, not necessarily sea nettles, which they are very easily, you can't really tell the difference but just by looking at them, but they are a little bit smaller and they are genetically different. So uh, they have been on the rise for the past 10 years and also the clinging jellies, which is definitely an invasive species that we've seen come up from uh, the tropics. And they also have been on the rise usually in about May uh, before the busy summer season starts. And then we'll see the bay nettles start to come in late July, early August, which you're probably seeing a lot of them now. Are there any other species besides those two types of jellyfish that are a cause for concern in our waterways or in the Barnegat Bay? Uh, yeah, so there are a few different types of jellyfish, uh, not always a cause of concern. We do see moon jellies, which do not really have a sting uh, that affects humans, so they're, prob- they're mostly fine. You don't have to worry about them. We have comb jellies, which are not true jellyfish, but uh, we see them a lot along especially the southern part of Barnegat Bay. They are also increasing in population but don't cause harm to humans. And usually in the colder months, uh, again, during off-season, we have the lion's mane jellyfish, which does have a powerful sting, but usually don't interact with humans too much because the water is usually too cold for people to be enjoying. And they are very big and easy to identify, so kind of harder to run into them with those two factors in mind. Now, what is the distinct difference between the two main ones, the bay nettles and the clinging jellies? So the bay nettle jellyfish, uh, very easy to identify. They are white or clear, but mostly have a white clearish bell and much longer tentacles and stinging cells. And their bell size can get up to about, I would say, seven inches, but usually they're a little bit smaller than that. The clinging jelly has a very, very small, about the size of a quarter, even sometimes a nickel or a dime. They have an X, almost a cross, uh, on top of their bell, and they have very, very small little uh, stinging tentacles, but they kind of move around a little bit differently, too. They kind of look like they're jumping in the water, almost, and they tend to uh, be surrounded by eelgrass or things that they can cling to. So they're much smaller, but they have the distinguished cross in the middle, and you usually see them around May, early June, around that time. How harmful are the jellyfish to people if you get stung? You know, do they pose any other dangers besides the stinging harm? No, not necessarily to humans specifically. The clinging jellyfish, actually, um, the sting is mild initially, but it causes your muscles to convulse in some cases. So we recommend if you do think you got stung by clinging jellyfish, take a trip to the hospital just to make sure everything's okay so you can be monitored and everything should be fine after that. The bay nettle jellyfish, their sting is mild. Um, It will leave a rash. Usually people use vinegar to try to counteract the stinging cells, um, but you do develop a rash and 
nothing very harmful outside of that. I've also heard meat tenderizer. Is that true if you put that on a jellyfish thing that's supposed to help? I have heard that. I'm not sure if I would recommend that personally. <laughs> I think vinegar is the way to go. There also is a uh, medicine, almost topical cream, that is called Sting No More. You can get that on the Internet, usually on Amazon. That usually helps with many different types of jellyfish things, no matter the intensity. Why is Barnegat Bay such an attractive habitat for the jellyfish? So Barnegat Bay is an estuary or almost a nursery for a lot of young larval stage animals and smaller fish and crabs and so on. So, And it's also very closed off. So they don't really have a lot of natural predators. Once they get into Barnegat Bay, they mostly move along with uh, tide and whatnot. So they kind of, once they get here, don't really have or need to move anyplace else. And it's also kind of hard for them to get out, especially if tide is going through into Barnegat Bay. And they also have a plethora of plenty of places to hang out. They go through an interesting life cycle, which they have to attach to a hard surface. And along Barnegat Bay, we have plenty of bulkheading, floating docks, and the like. So they have plenty of places where they could reproduce at part of their life cycle stage. And then they also, since we are a nursery habitat for many different uh, marine life, they also have plenty of food that they can eat. So it's kind of the perfect habitat for them, and they don't really need to go anywhere else. I just want to remind our listeners, this is Jersey Shore Matters. I'm your host, Diane DeAlivera, and I'm speaking with Brittany McLaughlin. She is the Jellyfish Education Coordinator for Save Barnicot Bay. And we've been talking about the jellyfish issue. Uh, they seem to be invading our waters and increasing in population year after year. How is Save Barnicot Bay studying the jellyfish? And you know, what types of action is the group taking to try and curb the jellyfish population? Great question. Thank you. So we are actually working with a couple of partners. Berkeley Township Underwater Search and Rescue is an all-volunteer dive team. We are working with Dr. Paul Bologna from Montclair State University, who is the leading jellyfish scientist in New Jersey, or one of, and Dr. John Wenick and students from the Marine Academy of Technology and Environmental Science, or MEETS. And we are trying to see if scrubbing bulkheads and floating docks would actually lead to a reduction in bay metal jellyfish populations and specific lagoon communities along Barnegat Bay to see if that could be a viable way to try to counteract the rising jellyfish problem we see in Barnegat Bay. So you're actually enlisting some of the community to get involved in this as well, right? Yeah, so we are looking for volunteers to let us come over, use pool brushes, basically, or an underwater power washer to try to gently scrape off jellyfish polyps that tend to form and reproduce on hard surfaces like bulkheading and floating docks. So we're working with community members in Berkeley Shores, in Green Island and Toms River, and we're moving to uh, shore acres in Brick in the fall and asking them if we could just scrape off their uh, bulkheads, uh, scrape off their floating docks, and see if we can monitor the jellyfish population in the next summer season after we do that to see if there's any difference in the population change. For the jellyfish, uh, how does the population change in the off-season or the colder months? I mean, obviously, when the summer months, more people are in the bay and you see them expanding more in the warmer weather. But what happens with them in the winter? Do they hide out? Are they still reproducing? Where are they going? That's a great question. So the really interesting and fascinating thing about jellyfish is they go through two different phases of reproduction. 
So when we see them and notice them in the water in the summer months, especially with the bay nettles, that is their adult life cycle stage. So that is when they are stinging, they have the bell, they're very recognizable. When they are in that stage, they release eggs. Those fertilized eggs then become a little perennula, which is the basically jellyfish larvae. It kind of looks like a fuzzy tic-tac. That swims around, tries to find a hard surface to attach to. Once it finds that hard surface, it'll mature into a polyp, kind of like a coral polyp. And from there, it'll go through a second phase of reproduction, which is they make clones or copies of themselves. So one polyp can form into two, or they can go through the fancy scientific term is strobulation, and they will make almost pancake-like stacks of baby jellyfish is what I like to refer to them as. And once the water gets warmer, those pancake-like stacks will start to branch off and mature into the adult bay nettle jellyfish that you see. So how many jellyfish are we actually talking about? I mean, is there a number that you can place on them? Um, that is a great question. No, not really. They are very hard to track, and especially in that polyp stage, they're almost microscopic. So Dr. Paul Bologna, our lead scientist, actually has to go through DNA swabs and samples underneath floating docks and along bulkheads to try to see if there is jellyfish DNA on those pieces of property that they, they are scrubbing before and after. So it's hard to track them that way, and since they can reproduce by cloning themselves so rapidly, it's almost impossible to try to actually get an accurate number of the amount of jellyfish that we will have in the next summer season. But we also do plankton toes, which is we have a net dragging behind um, a boat to try to get kind of an idea of a sample size of the adult jellyfish or the mature baby jellyfish that we see as we're taking those samples. That's the best we can do so far for right now. What can actually kill jellyfish besides, you know, trying to curb the population by scraping the bulkheads in the docks? I mean, what what harms jellyfish? I mean, are they eaten by other predators in the sea or what, what can actually kill them? Yeah, so sea turtles usually eat jellyfish. We see that all the time. And that is the number one predator that we can all think of usually when we think of what kind of things eat jellyfish. But in Barnegat Bay, we do not have sea turtles, or we have very, very few and far between. So that's not really a huge help in this scenario. There is also a type of almost sea slug called the nudibranch that actually can live on bulkheads and floating docks, and they do eat polyps. So in the bay nettle polyp stage, they can eat those, and that counteracts the population a little bit. But the only predator that we have in Barnegat Bay is ourselves, humans. So if we try to improve water quality, to try to make sure that there's more diversity and more competition with what things that can settle on hard surfaces, that could also really impact the population of jellyfish that we're seeing on the wreck. Brittany, what made you want to study jellyfish or become a jellyfish educator coordinator? That's it's really fascinating. You know, were you always was this something you were always fascinated with as a child, or how did you get into this field? <laughs> that is a great question. I ask myself that honestly uh, pretty often, especially when I was first offered the position. Um, I've always been super interested in the environment. I grew up in Ocean County, living and visiting Barnegat Bay. Uh, the ocean, the beach, all the time. And I've always just been really attracted to trying to help preserve and conserve our environment so everyone can enjoy it for many, many years to come. That is the path I took in college. I interned with Save Barnegat Bay for a few years on the advocacy scale, 
and I learned about this position opening up after I graduated and heard about it a little bit as I was interning and thought it was interesting. So just tried to apply for the position. And most of the things I learned about jellyfish, or most all the things I learned about jellyfish, I learned on the job. So it's been very exciting. It's a new, fun-sounding job. And I figured, why not? This is the perfect opportunity to get to work in the Barnegat Bay that I love so much. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, how do you get into studying jellyfish and learning all about them and, and how to curb the population? It's very interesting. And especially for people who live at the shore and, you know, you're dealing with it if you're a boater or a swimmer or you live on the water, you see the changes in the bay and what's happening. For people who want to get involved with Save Barnegat Bay or any of the community programs that you offer, whether it's volunteering or just learning uh, more about the different programs, what can they do? Uh, another great question. So we have our website, savebarnegatbay.org. You can always hop on there and try to learn about all the other issues that we are working on. We have quite a long list. I don't want to get into all of that, and that would take up way too much time. But uh, see what kind of issues we're working on and focusing on right now, how you can get involved. We have volunteer opportunities all the time, and you could either email any of us, which our emails are on our website, or you can email jellyfish at savebarnegatbay.org want to get involved with jellyfish issues specifically and we also host programs all the time at our eco center which is in Tom's River at 117 Haynes Road. Uh, that's basically you can stop by any time, come meet our team. We're here every Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 roughly and we have plenty going on so there's plenty of opportunities for volunteers to come help out or just learn more about our organization in general. Brittany, was there anything else that you would like to add that we left out? No, I think we're all good. I think that basically covers the jellyfish issue in general. We do have more information on our website of different ways other community members can get involved that aren't in Berkeley Shores, Shore Acres, or Green Island in Tom's River. So just check out our website, look up the Bay Nettle Jellyfish or Stop the Sting, and you can find all the information there. Thank you so much, Brittany McLaughlin, Save Barnegat Bay Jellyfish Education Coordinator. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. You can hear Jersey Shore Matters with Diane D'Oliveira every Sunday morning on Press Communications, LLC.